It is such a joy to be here with you guys tonight. Thank you. Thank you very much for, uh, for coming and uh, sharing this evening with brothers and sisters. It is my favourite night of the week, Thursday night, so uh, it is a joy. Uh, tonight, it is an absolute pleasure and joy again to actually uh, lead you in this devotion tonight and uh, may the Lord work through the words that uh, I say this evening. Um, tonight, we're going to look at Psalms again. We're going to look at the uh, chapter 116 and it's verses 1 to 19. If you've got your Bibles, please pull them out, but also we'll have the, the verses on the screen as well. Please read with me. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy, because he inclined his ears to me. Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return, my soul, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my ears from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before you, Lord, in the land of the living. I believe even when I spoke, I am greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant, who has loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people in the courts of the house of the Lord in your midst, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, we do thank you for how you love us. We thank you for the gift of your son who died on the cross of Calvary for us. We thank you that through you, Jesus, we have a pathway to the Father. Tonight we ask for your forgiveness for the sins we have committed against you and our fellow brothers and sisters. We repent and we turn away from the things of this world, Lord. We kneel before you tonight and declare that you are the Saviour of this world. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I ask that the words that are spoken tonight are acceptable in your sight, in your sight alone, Lord. In all things, may you be glorified. Lord, we ask that you grant us wisdom and discernment so that we may come to know you more through these glorious words of the psalmist. We thank you for the gift of your word. We thank you for you, us being your children, Lord. We love you and we pray this in your almighty name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, well, tonight I, uh, I titled this devotion i love the lord because as we've read in the first five words in verse one it says i love the lord because what a great opening to that passage isn't it i love the lord because it's a declaration it's a statement it's a clearly defined statement that we see here the author wrote with certainty on this 
I love the Lord because there is clearly no doubt in the author's mind. Now, with a declaration or a statement, it usually is preceded with a question. So I asked myself when I saw that statement, why do I love the Lord? It's a good question. It's a question that I've asked myself in the past. And so I asked myself again this same question. Now I'm going to ask you guys as well. Have you really ever sat down and defined why you love the Lord? I challenge you this week to do the same thing I did this week. I actually put down five points. It was a faith-building experience, let me tell you. Um, Please, if you get time, please do that. Uh, It is well worth the time. For myself, through this process, I had a look at what he's done in my life. The Lord's divine plan for my life has been clear through the acts of his love that he has showered down on me, the acts of love and grace that were undeserved. He gave me a mother who was a deep, devoted commitment to the Lord, a mother who was and is obedient. She's obedient to his word through his Holy Spirit. She led her children well. I was exposed to the good news. I came to know the gospel and the gift of Jesus. I came to know of it is the important part there. The amazing thing is that the Lord chose me to be one of his children, Lord. As a teenager and adult, I embraced the world. Like the prodigal son, I walked my own path. It was a drug fueled world of, of decadence and sin on countless occasions I put myself in dangerous situations when looking back there was many times I, I could have died or damaged myself beyond recognition and through those times the Lord he never let me go he never once let me go he was always there to remind me that he loved me Through the constant prayer and support of my mother, he answered her prayers and he kept me safe. Through car accidents, through acts of stealing, through lying, disregard for others, cheating, the grip of the drugs that they had on me, he delivered me. He gave me uh, my best friend Dina and a defining moment. Excuse me. A defining moment that I look back on now and I see his hand at work with that. It was when Dean and I first dated. I was deep in my drug, ha- drug habit, which was going to get worse, by the way, at that stage. And even when I was rejecting God in every possible way, I said to Dina, before we get serious with this relationship, I need you to let you know that I do believe in God. I know that it does not look that way, in every sense of the word but I will go back to him when I am ready how how arrogant is that I was essentially saying if this relationship is going to go anywhere you will need to believe in God and go back to church when I'm ready to do so I had no earthly right to say that it makes me sick to think how selfish I was with a statement like that What a hypocritical, self-indulgent sinner I am. 
I treated the gift of Jesus as something that I could use and abuse on my terms. I asked my new partner to support me in this action. Through only the grace of God, Dina agreed. <clears throat> After that statement to Dina, I continued to ignore him for many, many years. But glory to him, he reminded me often. David, you know I am the way, the truth and the life. Folks, I know I love the Lord because he delivered me from that life. I know I love the Lord because he granted me my selfish wish all those years ago and gave me a partner on this earth to share in that gift of salvation. I know I love the Lord because he's never let me go. Even when I pushed him away. And I know I love the Lord because he blessed my life with family, with brothers and sisters that love the Lord and keep me accountable. A mother that has been an amazing vessel for his will. An example of how through him a person can change, can love others like Christ loved, serve others as Christ served, and pray persistently when others gave up. I know I love the Lord, folks, because he answers prayers. From leading us to him to leading us here to Abu Dhabi, he has answered my prayers and those around me. As I said, I encourage you this week to sit down and define the reasons why you love the Lord. It is a faith-building and amazing experience. So this leads to my first point tonight. Okay. Faith through action. You can see that the author here is, is unknown. What is clear is that the passage opens up in a clear declaration, as we said earlier. We look at verse 1. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. He loves the Lord because God has heard the psalmist's voice. The Lord has heard his pleas for mercy. This verse is written in past tense. He's, he's writing about something that has already happened here. He's referring to a past action that the Lord has done in his life. He has heard, has. The author is referring to something that has happened. It is fact. It's irrefutable in the author's eyes. We then read that the psalmist continued to then back that declaration up with reasons and further details. I love how our Lord knows us so well. It's a logical response, right? Someone declares something without substantiating that declaration. It's just it's words in the wind. So I love how he backs this up here. The, the psalmist is not living by blind faith here, folks. We look at chap, uh, chapter 116, verse 2 to 4. Because he inclined his ears to me. So we see... He has listened to the psalmist here. The psalmist, in fact, uses two different words here, as you'll notice. He uses the word heard in verse 1, and he says, I love the Lord, for you heard my voice. Here, heard means simply listened. But in verse 2, he inclined his ears to me. Now, the same word is used in Proverbs chapter 7, verse 21, to describe the response of a man who is seduced by a harlot and turns aside to her. And it appears also in Kings chapter one, sorry, First Kings chapter eleven, verse four. 
where it describes how Solomon's wives turned away his heart for other gods. So, says the psalmist, he turns aside, inclines, from what he is doing to bend towards us. This is different from herd. It brings to my mind, uh, you know, those olden day images of when there was no hearing aids and if someone was deaf, they needed a funnel. They'd put a funnel up to their ear and they would lean towards someone to hear them. It reminds me of that. Or say if you're around someone who is in a weak condition, you'll lean down to hear them properly. This is what God does. Whenever we call upon him, he not only hears us, but he inclines. He's a God of action. So why does God pay such attention to us? It's a good question, isn't it? It's because he loves us. He loves us. He goes back to Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 7 to 8, where the Israelites were told, God wasn't attracted to you and didn't choose you because you were big and important. It's not us in this equation. The fact is, there was almost nothing to you. He did it out of the sheer love, keeping the promise he made to his ancestors. God stepped in and mildly brought you back out of the world of slavery, freed you from the iron grip of the Pharaoh king of Egypt. God pays attention to us, not because of what we are, but because of who he is. That's the important point here. That's why he hears our cries and our prayers, and that's why he bends down and inclines and listens to us. He's an awesome God. Well, we see the psalmist then goes on to explain further. The snares of death encompass me. This is verse 3. I suffered distress and anguish. We read the author was clearly in a terrible situation here, needing deliverance from his suffering. So what did he do? I called on the name of the Lord, O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Let's continue to read the full explanation here, why the psalmist knows why the Lord inclined his ear to him. We look at verse 5, 6 and 7. Gracious is the Lord and righteous, God is, our God is merciful. Verse 6, the Lord preserves the simple when I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. Actions. Verse 8. For you have delivered my soul from death. My eyes from tears. You've delivered my soul from death. You have. My ears from tears. My feet from stumbling. He reasons why he loves the Lord. These are all God's actions here. I love how the psalmist just cannot stop praising his, the Lord as he's writes these words he uses words like gracious and righteous and merciful he then continues from verse 6 to 9 to describe once again the actions of God I was brought low he saved me for you have delivered my soul you have delivered my soul my eyes from tears and my feet from stumbling now according to the psalmist God's answers to his prayers seen in his bountiful care and the strength he gives us like in verse 8, you have delivered me, my soul from death, my, my eyes from tears, and my feet from stumbling. Now, who can tell how many times God has kept us from stumbling and falling along our life path? As Jude 24 states, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to 
present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. We see here a perfect example of what followers of Christ should be doing. Take note here, folks. The reasons we, he loves the Lord, the psalmist this is, all stem from the answers from prayer. Our Lord hears our prayers. Our Lord answers our prayers. Our God is a God of action. He actively takes part and intercedes in our lives. I'd like to look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 here at this point. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Don't be mistaken here, folks. There's an easy trap for us to fall into here. Prayer is not some magic formula where we want, where what we want is granted, and then we turn and love God for that. This is not a get-rich scheme or a prosperity tool here. We know that there is suffering, but it's his will that is answered through these prayers, not ours, not the psalmist's. Seek God's will first. Then he will answer our prayers once our desires line up with his will. The psalmist loves the Lord because the Lord knows what is best for him. He answers his prayers and is strengthened his faith because the answers were as per the will of God. Jesus puts this in simple terms for us all. Whatever you ask in my name, prayer, this I will do, action. And the clear result when we pray Christ-centered prayers, prayers that align to his will, as the psalmist has done, is that God is glorified through his actions. Through God's actions, we get to see how great our God is, how in control he is, how his wisdom is all-knowing, how his plans unfold through the answering of prayer. I like how Charles Spurgeon described it. This is how he describes prayer. True prayer is neither a mere mental exercise nor a vocal performance. It is a far, it's far deeper than that. It is a spiritual transaction with the creator of heaven and earth. Prayer is a deep spiritual transaction with our creator. Prayer is an act of faith. But as we can see by the passage tonight, it is also... So faith-building. I love the Lord because he answered my prayers. God doesn't pay attention to us, answer our prayers, deliver us, and care for us to make us feel good. Rather, he does all this so that we can walk before him. And we see that in verse 9. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. He does it so that we can walk in, in a way of further blessing. Indeed, we love him because he loved us first. He loved us first. This brings me to my second point. Actions that provoke a reaction. At the start of the passage, we have seen the psalmist declare his love for the Lord. We have then read the reasons why he loves the Lord. As we read further we see how the psalmist has responded, how he's reacted to that overwhelming love. We see in verse 9, I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I will walk before the Lord. 
Verse 13, I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will lift up the cup. In verse 13, he commits to continuing to call on the name of the Lord through prayer, lifting the cup of salvation in worship and in praise. Verse 14, I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. I will. Once again, he makes a commitment here. His response to that love is a commitment. He again commits to, a, to fulfill the vows that he's made to God in the prayer of the presence of his people. You can see here the psalmist, he feels indebted to God. He feels his response is a vow to worship the Lord, sing his praises to all his people. He's indebted to our Lord. What a great state to be in. We look at verse 16. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. The psalmist again commits to a life of service to God here. He is indebted to the Lord for loosing the bonds and delivering from the turmoil. Verse 17, I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on your name. Call on the name of the Lord. And again we see the response of the psalmist committing to a life of thanksgiving. And once again, reiterating the same point from verse 13, to call on the Lord's name in prayer. Verse 18 and 19, he continues to make commitment here. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of his people. 19, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem. And then he finishes with this awesome statement. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We then see how the psalmist has finished the passage by reiterating his response to God's proven great love for him. He repeats, as we said, verse 14 and verse 18, and then finishes that passage beautifully with an action, praise. Can you see the pattern here, folks? The psalmist, through the actions of God in his life, through prayer, responds to the answering of that prayer. His faith is strengthened. Cannot, he cannot help but respond to God's love and the grace by committing to a life of service, a life of worshipping God, a life of telling all who will hear the greatness of him, God. He commits to a life of action. That is what the power of prayer does, folks. It is a gift from God. It's a way that God can reveal his greatness in our lives, his greatness in our lives a way that God can strengthen our faith it is a gift that shows our faith in him prayer is a doing word it produces action through seeing his awesome hand at work it produces a reaction it is not a passive thing it's not passive in its nature or in its design it is alive it's powerful and through God it changes lives Okay, this brings me to my third and final point tonight. Life without prayer is a life without God. We've read tonight that the psalmist obviously is in a very bad way. We look in verse 3. The snares of death encompass me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. He was in a life or death situation. 
And he was delivered from that by the power of God through the act of faith in prayer. We do not have any further information on what the situation he was in. But we can apply this passage on both a physical and a spiritual realm here. We see in verse 4 and also in verse 8 that the psalmist not only acknowledges his deliverance, but importantly refers to the bigger picture and refers to the delivery of his soul here. Verse 4, Then I called in the name of the Lord, O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Verse 8, For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from stumbling. As sinners, we can surely, surely relate to this, right? Without the gift of Jesus, without the gift of the gospel here, we are in the snares of death. We read this obviously in Romans chapter 6 verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul in his letter to the Corinthians also actually refers to a verse in this passage. Let's look at verse 10. I believed, even when I spoke, I am greatly afflicted. Paul then refers to this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and it's verses 12 to 14. So death, death is at work in us, but life in you, Jesus Christ. Since we have, been, since we have had the same spirit of faith according to what has been written... I believed and so I spoke. There's our reference to verse 10. We also believe and so we also speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus, God, will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. Let's look at Revelations as well here. Chapter 5, verse 9. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you, Jesus, to take the scroll and to open its seals. Worthy are you to take the scroll and open the seals. For you, Jesus, were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. So what is Paul in Revelation trying to tell us here? What is it talking about? It's talking about deliverance. Deliverance through Christ Jesus. Deliverance from a wicked, sinful world. Just like the psalmist we read in this, of this evening, we have been delivered from peril. How? By his blood. His blood that was shed on the cross of Calvary for our sins. The wages of sin is death. What did the psalmist do when he was in a life or death situation? We find him praying. He's in prayer. Let's look quickly at Psalm 46, verse 10 here as well. Life without prayer is life without power. Praying helps us to trust God in these difficult situations, and we are in difficult situations, right? It is so important to be still and to know that I am God. He says it here in Psalm 46, verse 10, Be still and know that I am God. Life without prayer is a life without power. God's power. He commands us to be still and know that I am God. Be still in prayer. How do we know our God? We know him through prayer. 
How do we see his great love and mercy for us in his creation? By God's action through prayer. How does his children's faith grow? By seeing the confirmation of his glory through the actions of prayer. How do we commit to a life of being on fire for Jesus? A life of commitment just like the psalmist was tonight. A life of telling all who will hear. A life of worshipping Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. We do this by seeing God's hand at work. Not a passive, non-committal God. Not a God that leaves us to our own devices and our own futile works. But a God of action. A proactive God that is in control of all things. A God that through all things is working for our good. Amen. He's working for our good in all things. A God that through all things... He has given us his only begotten son. A son to save us from death. And through that pathway of Jesus, we get to be with him in eternity. He's a God that commands us to be still. To pray so that we may know him. We are in a life and death situation here, folks. Make no mistake about it. Tonight we have been given a perfect example of how through prayer God acts, how through prayer God saves, and how through prayer we can rejoice and praise his name and we can see his awesome love and mercy. Again, I encourage you to go through this process this week. Go through the process of writing down why you love the Lord. I want to actually talk a Say a little bit of a story. So just like the psalmist tonight, can you say, I love the Lord? If so, how are you responding to that question? There was a young son of a bishop bishop named Bishop Berkeley that once asked the bishop the question, Papa, what do the words cherubim and seraphim mean? The bishop took time to tell the little questioner, that cherubim was a Hebrew word meaning knowledge. And the word seraphim stood for flame, explaining that it is commonly supposed that cherubim are angels that excel in knowledge and that the seraphim are those who excel in love for God. This is the boy's response. Wow, then I hope, the boy said, that when I die, I'll be a seraphim. I'd a lot rather love God than to know everything. Amen. He knows everything. He deserves our love. Once again, I'll leave you with this question. Why do you love the Lord, folks? I pray that we recognize that the debt that we owe to our Lord, it may be a congregation that recognizes this and commits to action. Action for God and his glory. Action that comes from a grateful heart of gratitude for how he loves us so much. How he is in control. How he is the almighty, all-knowing God. I pray that we are a congregation of action fueled by the faith-building act of persistent God-centered prayer. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, we do thank you for how you love us. 
We thank you for the gift of your word and how we can see examples through the scriptures of how your mighty hand is at work and that you have delivered us from the turmoil, from the distress, from the anguish. You've delivered us from this world, Lord, through your Son on the cross. This world is corrupt. There is a bigger picture, Lord, and we thank you that you've put us in that picture, that there is eternity, there's a place in your heaven with you, and we cannot wait for that day, Lord. We cannot wait to strip this world away and for the true meaning of our lives to be with our Creator. Lord, we ask that you give us strength this week, that you remind us that through prayer, you do almighty things in your will. We thank you for the wisdom and the knowledge that you answer these prayers in your timing and in your wisdom. And it's such a joy when we get to see that fulfilled. And we may not understand it, Lord, at the time. We live in the now, but we just haven't got the brain capacity to see the big picture. But when it is revealed in your perfect timing, it's so glorious to see that. So we ask that you continue to strengthen us through your Holy Spirit, that we may come to you daily in prayer. And we thank you for inclining your ear to us because you love us. We ask that you protect us as we leave tonight. We thank you for this opportunity to come together as brothers and sisters. And we pray this in your son's awesome name, Jesus. Amen.